What's going on, folks? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Small Talks, Big Ideas with Steve. I am your host, Steve Fletcher. Happy and fortunate, privileged, jubilant, excited, a little scared to be here with you. No, not really. We're all happy and, and looking forward to today. It's going to be a good one. We're talking with uh, someone who has quite the story. You might call it a, a delicious tale. And I am using a pun there. It is. Uh, it's going to be a tasty hour. We're digging into some sweets, some treats, um, and I'm really excited for y'all to learn a little bit about my guest today. Before we jump into my guest today here on Small Talks, Big Ideas with Steve, just want to remind you all: if you're tuning in on the radio here locally at Charleston, this is a project of Low Country Local First, which is a local economic development nonprofit based right here in the Low Country of South Carolina, where we lift up and empower and support local independent businesses of all different types and stripes, stages and ages. Um, this program is also made possible by OM, which is a really cool community radio station right here in Charleston. Not every region has something like Ohm Radio. So uh, consider yourselves really lucky if you're tuning in right now and you got your dial to 96.3 FM. Coming at you live here from Meeting Street, Charleston, South Carolina. I would say sunny, but today is a little bit overcast, but that's all right. We're going to bring you some sun in the form of conversation. I've got Ema Cromedy in the studio today. You may have heard of her. Maybe you haven't heard of her. You're going to know her name after this hour because... Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and I'm a little bit hungry, which is unfortunate because Ema makes some delicious-looking things for her profession. So we'll dig into her personal professional journey, but without any more ado, I want to swing the mic over Ema's way so she can introduce herself to you all. She is a fantastic local business leader here in the Low Country. Ema, tell the listeners what they can expect in this next hour. Who are you? Uh, what business are you, you coming to us from and uh, all that good stuff? Hi guys, as he's mentioned, I'm Ema Cromedy. I am one half of the dynamic duo of Carolimas, which is a full service catering company located here in Charleston, South Carolina. My sister and I, we own it and we're local. So the food that we make is like what your grandma made. Mm. So it's local cuisine made with love and served with service of excellence Ooh, well my you're not talking about my grandma that's all right <laughs> rest her soul but she was a big fan of lean cuisine uh but listen if your grandma's making delicious food southern baked southern created innovative you know like down home comfort cooking whether that's you know the savory mealtime dishes or it's the desserts and we'll dig into that in a minute because that's that's Ema's uh, up Ema's alley uh, the food is unbelievable. So yeah, Ema, check her out, Ema Cromedy. We're going to dig into her story and Carolimas. And if you're having trouble remembering how to pronounce Carolimas, uh, just look at the word. It's C-A-R-O-L-I-M-A apostrophe S. Pretend you're saying Carolina, right? Is that a good way to remember, Ema? Right, but instead of Carolina, is lima like lima beans. Lima like the beans. One of my favorite beans, might I add. Um... Listen, Ema, I want to hand the mic back over to you, and I want you to set the scene for us. What do you, what brought you to making desserts? And then we'll talk about kind of the business angle and how you grew the business and how you synced up with your sister here and created Carolina's Dessert Boutique. But once upon a time, take me back. I feel like everyone's got their own story when they're a baker or they're a chef or they work with food or they open a restaurant. What was that first spark that told you, I, Ema Cromedy, have to create desserts for a living? 
Oh my goodness. Um, it would probably take me back to childhood. Okay. Like my first Easy Bake Oven. Ooh, I had an Easy Bake Oven. Oh yeah. Love I the Easy loved bake oven. Easy Bake Ovens. I mean. When did you my, get your first one? Was it birthday, Christmas, holiday? Definitely Christmas. Okay. Closer to around that eight, nine range. Yep. I'm talking about we would make all of the mixes in one day. <laughs> Because I also had a lot of little cousins, so we you would put them to work. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So we we would make all of the mixes, and then my aunt Penny. Once we made all the mixes, she would make this thing called sweet bread. Okay. With just like flour, sugar, milk, eggs, and then now we would run through that and get the icing and put it all together. And so when I graduated from high school, I thought like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to Johnson and Wales. It was here in Charleston. This would be awesome. And then my mom was like, absolutely not. Okay. Let's pause for one second. So you're originally from South Carolina. Is that right? Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. So this easy bake oven is a gift one Christmas in Mount Pleasant. Yeah. Okay. So Mount Pleasant, you're waking up one Christmas morning uh, to an Easy Bake Oven, presumably somewhere near the top of your list. And for the folks who don't know what an Easy Bake Oven is, it is a, an <laughs> a incre- box with a light that actually, the light bulb bakes the items. It's a tiny light bulb. <laughs> Not sure if this is even DHEC approved at this point in time, <laughs> you're sitting here in 2022. But listen, there was a there was a sort of a an adventure associated with cooking your food with a tiny light bulb. Will it cook through? Will it not? Will I get salmonella? Will I have a delicious <laughs> cupcake? I don't know, right? It's right. It's that roll of the dice keeps us on our toes uh, in the food world, I guess, at least uh, back when Easy Bake Ovens were a big thing. They're probably coming back. I bet they're probably safer now, but it was a tiny little light bulb. You're cooking tiny little confections, right? right. I mean, how big, what were the, some of the first things? You said you're making mixes, and then one it, of your aunts was making a bread, pr- presumably in a larger oven, but then you're spreading it on that bread? No. So it was just a mix because when you got the Easy Bake Bake uh, like a cookie mix, one cookie mix, one cake mix, one little icing, and of course everything was just add water. <laughs> so <laughs> right, you just right. add water for the right. cookie dough. Just this add water, right? Just add water for the cake mix. Just add water for the icing. And I mean, it probably came with like three or four mixes. So okay. you know, by the time you have four or five cousins and everybody wants a little piece, yeah. you've ran through the whole entire right. box the first time you've gotten it. So my aunt would then mix this concoction that she called sweet bread, and we would put it in the pans and put it in the little easy bake oven. Okay. And it will bake up, and then now we're eating that. rest is history. <laughs> right. Okay, so take me beyond Easy Bake Oven. You've now sparked something inside you that says, wow, I thought I was going to like this Easy Bake Oven, and I really do. What's step two? You're past Easy Bake Oven. You're using uh, something other than a light bulb, and you want to presumably innovate a little bit beyond sweet breads and mixes. Right, because now I do need to go back okay. before graduation. So now we're having Sunday dinners every Sunday at Anjanette's house, the entire family, and we're in there cooking. So like Sunday is like Thanksgiving every Sunday. So we have a huge meal because I'm I'm from a big family. My mom has what five brothers and sisters and then each one of them had multiple kids. So I have 20 something cousins. Wow. So after church on Sunday we would all gather for dinner. And of course, this is traditional back in the day where the girls would go and help in the kitchen. Sure. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. Cooking all of my favorites, fried cabbage, and we're baking pound cakes, and just a whole lot of good 
good meals yeah, together sure. and so that's what sparked my whole cooking like yeah this is definitely something that i would want to do so post easy bake oven now you're seeing another dimension of cooking right where it's about this delicious food that you're creating and eating and sharing but it's also about bringing family together and associating with friends and colleagues and cousins and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and creating, I mean, I, I can only speak from my perspective, and I'm 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 nowhere near uh, the level of of expertise you're at when it comes to creating food. But I love messing around in the kitchen a little bit, and I I know what I like about it, and I want to hear from you, Emo, what your experience is. But the the kind of theater of it all, right? You're in there, and there's the sights and sounds, and the voices, and 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 it feels almost like you're on set or on stage, but you're with a bunch of people who are supportive and there's this element of creativity and it feels exciting and innovative. Like walk me through, I know you're cooking for 20 people, but I, I really want to put a fine point on what it felt like and sounded like and tasted like, what was your experience specifically at one of those Sunday nights after church, you, you and 19 or 20 of your relatives and the women are huddled in the kitchen, creating some delicious smelling, food the ovens up like what was your favorite meal and favorite dish that you'd create and why was it that way or was there any particular memory from one of those sunday nights that pops out to you because i think your story and how you came to have an appreciation for good food is so important and so relatable for folks i like to zero in on some of those details for me it was just being in the essence of it with my aunt's and my cousins and just enjoying being together and sharing the love of food, Mm. good food, not just, okay, we're going to put a meal together, but just truly cooking from the soul and cooking things that in this area that we're accustomed to, because that's the other thing with low country cuisine. It's a little different than going to other areas like the foods here, fresh seafood, Mm -hmm. the different spices and the combination, the food combination as well. Because, you know, I mean, of course, this is where shrimp and grits, everybody loves a good shrimp and grits. But that brown roux gravy is so much different than having that say a lobster bisque or anything like that. So learning how to make that from scratch sure. at a young age. Because if you can master gravy, oh, you're like moving up in the chain <laughs> of command. Right, so right. like you're mastering the gravy right. and then now you're going on to macaroni and cheese. If you can make macaroni and cheese, okay, when Thanksgiving come around, yeah. you're going to make the th- you're going to make the macaroni and cheese for Love Thanksgiving because everybody can't make macaroni and cheese. Love it, okay. So, like so gravy that- is sort of like... If you if you're getting your different colored belts in karate, we got gravy, then we got mac and cheese is the next rung, and then what's what's above mac and cheese? Hmm, what's above mac and in terms of like you need to get cake. this right? Pound cake. Okay. Pound cake. Okay. Pound cake. So yeah, we got gravy, we got macaroni and cheese, we have pound cakes, um, collard greens. Collard greens. Because you gotta as well. clean those right. Ooh, okay. Right. So, okay, it's about the prep. It's not just about the razzle-dazzle at the end. Right. You can't garnish up something that was never good to begin with. So talk to me about cleaning up those collars right. What does that mean to you? Oh, gosh. That, uh, it's a labor of love. Okay. <laughs> it's a labor of love. <laughs> so you're taking those collard greens, and you're washing them, and you're scripping them down and cutting them up. And, yeah, you're putting a lot of work in it. 
And at Low Country Local First, we encourage folks to, wherever possible, whether they own their own restaurant or they're a chef at a local restaurant or they're just a home cooker and they're looking for good, fresh ingredients, to, wherever possible, source those ingredients locally. So would you all get your seafood or your vegetables or this, that, or the other thing from local vendors or yes. farmers markets ever? Yes. Okay. So back then, I don't really remember a lot of farmers markets. Okay. But we had people in the community that would farm and you would get things from them. Awesome. Like this past Thanksgiving, I went out to Freeman's Farm okay. over on John's Island to get the collard greens. Yep. And so when I picked them up, they actually took me to the fields. Wow. So I saw the rows of collard greens. Phenomenal. So that was awesome. Phenomenal. That was a great experience. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, heading out to the actual farm, standing, walking on the soil from which those vegetables come is a special thing. It's nearly a spiritual thing. And you're telling me then, Ema, that it's important to take your time with the ingredients. And if you source them locally, presumably they taste better because they're fresher. Um, and so there's a lot to do in the way of prep. So presumably you didn't just fall in love with the prep, right? Although that's part of the ritual and that's what leads to a good meal. Um, it sounds like there was a lot more going on than just that. It was the prep and it was the it was the familiarity with family and friends and it was the sounds and the din and the excitement in the kitchen and it was coming together and serving people up good food and well-prepared food. Um, and it's about having that knowledge um, of if you can make gravy, you're this good. You're ready to move on to mac and cheese. If you can make mac and cheese, now you're up here. And if you can start making pound cake and maybe even some collards, and you've got that patience, right, to strip right. them and prepare them, then you're next level. So once you, Ema, were at that collards level, and you knew this is something I want to fold into my life, or maybe you didn't know that yet, but take me past graduation. Take me to that next step. When did you think making food, creating food, sharing food can and maybe should be a part of my professional journey? Okay, so I went off to college. I majored in math. Where'd you go? You said Johnson and Wales? <laughs> no, I didn't get to oh, go you, to Johnson I'm sorry. and Wales. She okay. told me I couldn't. So, so couldn't go there. So where'd you go? Couldn't instead? go. I ended up at Francis Marion okay. University in Florence, South Carolina. Okay. Majored in math, moved to Charlotte, worked in banking, and came back to exactly where I wanted to be, which was baking and cooking. So, uh, yeah, so okay. that, that's, that's what happened. And how I got started is, of course, I would make things for family and friends. And they're like, oh, this is really good. Mm -hmm. You know, the typical, yeah. this is good. You should sell this. And I'm just like, mm, no, that's fine. I just enjoy doing it. Yeah. You okay. know, got it. I would have events at my home sure. where I would entertain and sure. prepare food and then I kept hearing it over and over again and I said okay well let me just see <laughs> yeah. if I can have a side hustle yeah sure and so it started as a side okay. hustle well and I love that if I can pause there for a moment I love that you were like well listen just because I'm making something and just because it tastes good just because I enjoy it doesn't mean I need to necessarily turn it into a business right, right. I think a lot of people get that wrong sometimes and this is coming from someone who's associated with different business programs that could be considered incubators or accelerators. We have a phenomenal program called the Good Enterprises Program at Low Country Local First. Um, 
We bring together businesses in our business directory. Uh, Ema is a member of ours. So definitely it's important for folks to think critically and reflectively on different pastimes and hobbies. And if it sounds like it might be worth exploring, seeing whether that might be something that could transition into an enterprise. I mean, that's, that's great, right? And then that, that's one way to create generational wealth. It's one way to be self-sustaining. It's one way to engage in our local economy. But listen, it's okay if you just want to keep it a pastime or a hobby as well. Right. Right. <laughs> you got to have creative outlets. I, mean, I play music. I used to tour a little bit, but you know, I'm still big into the music world, but I'm not necessarily turning it into a career. My career right now is director of economic development at LLF. It's what pays the bills. doesn't mean I have to turn those creative outlets out. So I love that there was this moment for you. It sounds like it was a couple of years, Ema, where you're like, listen, I'm just baking food, doing what I love to do. If it tastes good, great. I don't necessarily have to turn this into a business. Right. 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 Um, and that was out in Florence where you're making food during college or you were baking coming home, coming back to Mount Pleasant. It was or a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both. Okay. So while I was in college, I was mm, the only one that can cook in my apartment so i cooked watch a lot. out right so i cooked a lot so we would have people stop by all the time hey what y'all got left over <laughs> right. Right. so yeah it's a blessing we, and a curse oh yes oh yes like people would be waiting on our stoop when we got home from <laughs> really? class and i'm like oh my goodness can we get home first and settle but yeah i still enjoyed feeding the people at and at school what, that were was the, what were your fellow students favorite thing that you'd make Red rice. Red rice, okay. Because to be away from home and mm. still have somebody that's able to make red rice, red rice. Comfort we, foods. Right, comfort foods. We would have um, traditional spaghetti. I mean, we were also college students, so we're eating spaghetti two or three times a week. The menu's and, limited. Right. The menu menu there is limited. And then... And you've probably got nine or ten Easy Bake Ovens plugged in, so... <laughs> Limited by the machinery as well. Right, right. So then we leave college and then we come home for a little while and then I go off to Charlotte and I go off and I'm working there. And I'm So what brings you out to Charlotte? Charlotte is just when I graduated from college and I came home, I couldn't find a job okay. here. So the um, job market was booming in Charlotte. And so I moved there and... I four months after I graduated, so I moved there. I worked, and then I started baking, baking here and baking there. Were you in banking out there? Because you did I banking in banking. Florence. Okay, so you're in banking Charlotte. in Charlotte. No, banking in Charlotte. Okay, so no banking in Florence. No, the Florence just was college. just school. Okay, right. just college. Moved home briefly. Then I went to Charlotte. Okay, so I'm in Charlotte. I'm working in banking. I'm playing with bacon here and there because it's still something that I enjoy mm -hmm. doing. And then it was 2010, the end of 2010, the beginning of 2011. It was the height of the cupcake phase. Mm. And then... What do you mean by cupcake phase? Remember when cupcakes were the big thing to do like everybody had all these cupcake shops because before yeah. they had bakeries but they didn't really have a lot of cupcake shops yeah but sprinkles had just popped up okay. and um georgetown cupcakes georgetown right? yes i've had those and then what was that one cupcakes here in charleston okay had just started so like everybody was doing cupcakes yep so i was like okay cool then food trucks became the big thing yep between 2009 2011 yep. 
So I was like, okay. Remember that movie Chef came out? Was it Chef where they had a food truck? It's a bunch of movies. You're right. It was part of the culture. But for me, that's my sort of uh, touch point. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put the two together. Cupcakes and food truck. Brilliant. So I was the first mobile dessert truck in Charlotte serving up cupcakes. I had this big pink truck tell me it was in the shape of a cupcake uh, unfortunately uh, not okay. but no, it was an old up like a postal truck oh that's cool that was a postal truck and that that's was cool. um mary Kay pink okay so you mary Kay, see the, me coming down the, street. the old school <laughs> mlm mary Kay. yes yes that soft uh sort of powder pink yes it's probably uh, encouraging one's appetite, looking at that almost pink frosting colored pink coming down the street, <laughs> and you're making the cupcakes on the truck, or you're you're preparing them beforehand and then bringing them onto the truck and driving out for the day. So in North Carolina, they are really big with the college food law, so you can okay. bake from home if you got your kitchen inspected by the Department of Agriculture. Interesting. Okay. So I had that done. I baked them at home, prepackaged them, okay. and then put them on the truck got and it. would go out. To sell them, and you'd know where you're going before you head out for the day, or you'd sort of be yes. like, "I think this spot's going to be happening." No, I had a schedule, okay. but I was still working full time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I I launched this cupcake truck while I was working. I gave myself a year to save and plan, mm-hmm. and which I did, and then I left corporate America in 2012. Okay. And how'd you come into an old decommissioned postal carrier for your truck? Because we got folks listening in, right? Local business leaders or aspiring business leaders listening in a lot and are like, I've got a good idea or I've been doing X, Y, or Z and I'm trying to network and I'm trying to do all the right things, but maybe they're thinking of ways to take that next step in terms of acquiring infrastructure or machinery or equipment. Maybe it's a truck or maybe it's a building or maybe it's a shed or maybe it's a printer. Or maybe it's a materials for a podcast studio, whatever it is. How do you recommend people, you know, save up for that capital investment? What was your experience like? Did you have money on the side? Did you make it from your full-time job? Did you win the lottery? Did you get a gift from friends or family? Did you sell 37 Easy Bake Ovens? (laughs) Walk me through acquiring that truck. Because I think a lot of folks have you up until that story and then they think, well, I I could never do that. I could never get that truck. So walk people through how you did it. So what I did was um, I worked at a company that gave us bonuses each year. So I used my bonus money, tax return, and then just savings for the seed money. Got it. So the truck I found on Craigslist. Okay. That was big back then. Yeah. Um, I think it's still around, but now. The Craigslist and Cupcakes era. Right. A golden era. <laughs> right. So it's Craigslist. You can always look on Facebook Marketplace for equipment. Okay. People are always selling. Okay. And don't just look in your area. Mm-hmm. Look beyond your area and neighboring cities and even states if you don't mind driving. Okay. Because it might be what you're looking for right. and it might be at a better price. Yeah, it might be cheaper if mm-hmm. you want to expand your radius for your search. Interesting. Okay. So starting with that full-time job, a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to quit my full-time job because I know I want to do this other thing. And if I quit my full-time job, I'll have more time and energy and bandwidth to focus on it. The problem is you wouldn't, in, in your in your case, have been able to provide the funds for the truck, right? right. If you had quit so your full-time job. So I set job. a goal, a savings goal. I met it before I left work. Mm. And I remember the day that I called my CPA and she was just like, 
oh, you don't have enough business to do it. And I'm telling her that it's because I'm at work every day. Mm. I'm here for eight hours. Yep. I can't possibly get additional business if I'm here. But right. remember, I did have that savings. Mm-hmm. So that was my cushion. Good and I you. left on faith. And it just boomed. It was the right decision. It, it was definitely the right decision. So it all happened with that food truck, right? Now, yes. Now you're like, okay. This can be a thing. I yeah. can make this. I can. I can grow this. So talk to me about growing it. The and, and and that doesn't. And that can be whatever that means for you, <laughs> right? Growing it could be moving locations or honing in on exactly what you're selling or selling or you know changing the truck in for something else or you know because I know there's there are many more chapters to your professional story. I want to make sure we hit all of them. Okay, so I started out with five flavors of cupcakes. Okay. Only five, because I didn't want to overwhelm myself. Keep it simple. But by the time I was finished, I had probably 30-something different flavors wow. of truck, um, cupcakes. I went, What were some of those first couple flavors? Oh, my first five flavors was lemon, vanilla that I did like birthday cake. It was mm. just vanilla on vanilla and sprinkles. Classic. A chocolate on chocolate, um, a carrot cake cupcake, and mm. a red velvet cupcake. Those are the classics. Now, let me tell you about this carrot cake cupcake. Please do. I sold this carrot cake cupcake for quite some time. I had one customer that absolutely loved it, but it was a hard sell. Do Mm. you know that now that is one of my top flavors? Really? That to the point where I stopped making it in cupcake form, and now I just make it in a personal cake, (laughs) or you can buy like an eight-inch cake. But it wow. is the absolute best wow. carrot cake you will ever have. Is it still the original formula? It's the original formula. How much were you charging back then for these cupcakes? And when and when was this? The this was 2011. Years. Okay. And I was charging $2.50 for one cupcake. Woo. <laughs> Man, that makes it that much sweeter. Yes. Um, and then, so if you bought multiples, it was even cheaper than that. Wow. It was, what, four for 10. Wow. So okay. four for 10 is the two fifty. It's a deal. If you bought one, it was $3. Okay. Yes. So you've got five flavors. Now you're expanding to, you said, 30 flavors, presumably as people are, you know, looking for Requesting, even more options. Right. And you're making now these more flavors. You're packing up the truck with even more cupcakes. You're presumably selling more cupcakes. When do you make that decision to leave do you leave the bank at some point a year later okay so i that. was just doing it on the weekends but then i was getting a lot of phone calls to do things in the middle of the week mm. so now i'm using my lunch break i'm using time off yep. to where i have to run mm-hmm. and go do an event at a corporate office yep. or they're wanting me to come to a festival on the weekend so i gave myself a year and i was just like okay i I'm out of here. So we go from the truck to add a little trailer. So now we have two. We're cool. doing food truck events cool. all over Charlotte. And you say we. Is there someone else in the equation helping you out at this point? Yeah. It was my, at the time, boyfriend. Okay. He's now my husband. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Yes. So we are all over Charlotte okay. all in this pink truck, all over Charlotte. And was your then boyfriend, now husband, also a lover of all things cupcake and easy bake oven? Or Absolutely is this- not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Absolutely not. Does he, he like eating them at least? He did enjoy eating okay. them, but he absolutely hated driving that pink truck around Charlotte. <laughs> he hated it. But by the time we left Charlotte, yeah. 
he was loving it. Yeah. He was no longer Ema's fiance. He was the Southern Cake King. So okay. he enjoyed it. Yes. And was that like a is that like an actual business name that he was that a business or he was well, just known as the, the Southern? Biz, yeah. The name of the business in Charlotte was Southern Cake Queen. Got it. And then he became the Southern Cake King. Wow. So Southern Cake Queen is the business you started in Charlotte when you decided all of these requests, all of these festivals, all these things that I'm doing for the the side hustle are making it such that this side hustle might have to become a real full-time hustle. Definitely. So you're moving over and you're saying, okay, this full-time hustle has got to have a name and you come up with Southern Cake Queen. Yeah. How'd you come up with that name? I love it. So I have this book by Nancy McDermott, Southern Cakes, and I just took Southern Cake. And I was just like, I'm a queen, so I'm just put it all together, <laughs> yeah. and this is the perfect uh, name for me, and it worked. Love it. So now, how is the Southern Cake Queen expanding her repertoire, and, and where's your trajectory headed now that you're putting everything into this thing? So now we have, like I said, the truck, mm. then we get a trailer, mm. then we were approached by a company that wanted us to provide desserts for their bakery case in the Charlotte Douglas Airport. Oh wow, that must have been a big account. That that was huge. That was huge for us. So we were. What happens there when you get that call? Like three. Well, it was so funny because when she called. They had been coming out to the food truck festival, so they had tried our desserts and okay. loved it. I thought we were being interviewed for the opportunity. Got it. I didn't realize that we were the opportunity. Right. They already decided they wanted you. Right, oh, right. Wow. And so my husband and I were meeting with them, and we went ahead and we jumped on board, and that was an interesting opportunity because you know the airport never closes yeah oh true right so and right and now it's just you and your then boyfriend now husband right and you're like ooh, right this could be an interesting challenge right so, so what do you do actually get staff okay so we do have staff because okay. we have carts and then the truck and got then it. we have the airport so we do get staff you just need but, more hands at a certain point right got it. right but like i said the airport is 365 days Nonstop, <laughs> yeah. and in Charlotte, it's rain, snow, sleet. Wow, they need you there. And I always wonder. And so, were you working there, or do your yes. staffs working there? So your boyfriend. It was. It was a good relationship because we didn't physically have to be there. Oh. We just needed to make the delivery, and drop them it, off. Right. So it was in their business, but the case had our name on it and our desserts. Good. And so all of our friends and family and followers that would travel through the airport knew exactly where to go wow. to get our desserts. And so even though you weren't there, your brand was and people could, you could, your brand could get a little name recognition. Yes. People would come through from Galveston, Texas or Milwaukee or wherever and they're trying one of your cupcakes and they're like, dang, who made this? And they see the logo right on the glass in the case and it says Southern Cake Queen. Did you see a bump in your, I don't know, did you have like social media at this point and did you notice more people were following you or did you notice more orders were coming in? Could people order directly from you at this point? Was there a phone number or an email? Yes. So people could order from us, but okay. the biggest bump 
came from doing the local festivals because those people were just kind of like passing through sure. and we weren't doing mail order at the time. Got it. Okay. So it was just like, you get this while you're here and you go, but believe it or not, we didn't even do cupcakes there. We did the carrot cakes because they okay. were most popular. Okay. We and did you're doing pound, like slices or full cake? Uh, three inch personal carrot cake. Got it. Pound cake slices, red velvet cheesecake brownies. Got it. Yes. Okay. So, man. Whew, yeah. My wife and I would grab a few of those on our way if we had been going through Charlotte at that time. Um, so, walk me through the next step then. So, your biggest bump comes from those festivals. You're presumably growing a, a name for yourself there locally in Charlotte. You're sitting here on Meeting Street in Charleston, South Carolina. Bridge the gap between building your brand and your carrot cake, pound cake, cupcake empire in Charlotte. And creating what you've created along with your sister right here in right. Charleston, South Carolina. So we're in, we're in Charlotte. We're doing well. We get married. We have a baby. A royal wedding. Of course. How did you know? Like literally we had a royal. It was the royal wedding. <laughs> Queen and king. I mean, um, what else? Of course. So we had the wedding. Were there easy bake ovens there? No, oh, of course not. Well, that's a shame. Easy Bake Evans went out after the first couple of years as a kid. And then I was using big girl ovens, like the combi <laughs> and the convection ovens. But um, yeah, so we, we go ahead and we get married. We have a kid okay. and the kid comes and we don't have any family in Charlotte. Mm, okay. <laughs> so now it's like the kid is on the truck with us and... Yeah. Now we have all these events that happens at night and we don't have a babysitter. And I'm just like, it's tough. It's tough, honey. I think, I think we're going to have to move home. Yeah. And so we move home. You need that support structure. We right? need, we need the support and his family is here. My family is here. Okay. So it's he's okay. from here as well. He's from here. Okay. Mount Pleasant as well. Oh, okay. So we move home. My sister is in the rest. Well, she's, she has a restaurant. But we moved home. By the time we moved home, she had already closed the restaurant, but she was still doing catering. Okay. When I moved home initially, I sold the truck, I sold the trailer and all that because I thought I was finished with that chapter. Wow. Okay. Done with baking. Done with baking. Or at least professionally. Right. Interesting. So I move here and the lady whose kitchen she was renting space from had the cutest little camper and she was selling it. And I was just like, this is a sign. It's a sign. It's a <laughs> sign. I'm like, honey, I thought I was done, but I'm not done. I need this camper. So we buy the camper. I do the first big Charleston food truck festival. It goes well. And then I struggle the entire year because even though I was known in Charlotte, yep. I wasn't known here. Different world. And I just didn't have the hustle in me mm. at the time to do the rebranding and do all of the work. So I took another year off. Okay. The trailer set. And then I got myself together. Yeah. And working with my sister with the catering, I okay. said, well, let's just rebrand as Carolina's Dessert Boutique because you already have a good name for yourself yeah. here with Carolina's. And so that's how we became 
One. Fused. Love it. So let's take two steps back and talk a little bit about Carolinas and your sister. Your sister's name is what? Samika. Samika. Yes. Um, and Samika, you and Samika started the original Carolinas together or Samika sort of founded that? She founded herself. that. Herself. How yes. many years ago? Were you in Charlotte we at the time? started at the same time. 2000, well, she started in 2010. Okay. With Carolina. Got it. Okay. Yes. Catering. And then she got the restaurant. She had the restaurant probably about a year and a half. It was in Goose Creek. Okay. Over by, uh, what's that, Stratford? So College Park Road. Yes. Yeah. So she did brunch and then she did dinner. Okay. And then um, when I moved home, we did both. You synced up. So yeah. I love that story. So you and your sister started out in a kitchen in Mount Pleasant years ago cooking up good Southern comfort food with your family for your family after church on Sundays. Right. And then she went one direction and said, I'm going to start making the meals. And you went the other and said, I'm going to do what comes after the meals. Right. Right. Which is the desserts and the cupcakes and the, you know, whatever the ice cream and the brownies and the chewies. And we'll get to all that in a minute. Um, I love that. And then eventually you both dovetailed, right? You came back together again here at home. Was it weird for you, Ema, coming back to Charleston? And again, you didn't know exactly whether baking food and being in Food and Bev was going to be a part of your you know, next chapter. But when you first moved back and thought it may be a part of your next chapter, and yet, as you said, you looked around and you had to almost rebuild your entire food empire. That must have been daunting. It also must have felt a little bit weird because Charleston's your home, right? This is right. where you're from. You're known in Charlotte. You just went out there to go be a banker, right? Or right. to work in banking. <laughs> right. But then you come home and you're like, okay, I should be the Southern K queen here too. Like this is where I'm from, but it didn't work out that way at first. No, it didn't. So they still knew me, but just people who were my friends from high school right. on Facebook, but the community didn't know me. And like I said, it was really hard rebranding because they already had their own, um, Charleston already had their own dessert trucks here. Yep. And so I would bid for events and never get them. Yep. So I was just like, mm, I'll just wait. And the rebranding happened. And I, um, so when we did rebrand, I did the Mount Pleasant Farmer's Market. Okay. And that was really good for us for the first year. It was, I think, in 2019 we did okay, that. Okay, a few years then, ago. Was that during the week at that time? Yes, it's on Tuesday. Like 3 p.m. or something on yes, Tuesdays. Yes, 3 p.m. Okay. to 7 on Tuesdays in Mount Pleasant at Moultrie Middle. Okay. So that helped. And that was you and your sister going there. Yes. Under the name Carolimas. You hadn't Carolimas. yet created Carolimas Dessert Boutique. Correct. Okay. It wasn't until um, 2021 is, I think, when we did the Carolina's Dessert Boutique and then launched the dessert trailer under that brand. And then I did Neighborhoods during COVID Mm -hmm. because that was a big thing during COVID where we would go to the neighborhoods and sell from... They would have food truck events at the various neighborhoods. I was going to say, tell me about COVID because it sounds like a lot of your recent history professionally made a big pivot, right? You're now fused up with your sister. You've kind of you know, sunsetted or at least put on pause one brand that you spent years building. And now you're sort of working on this new brand, bringing all of your incredible skill sets and expertise to it. 
But in many ways, it sounds to me just hearing from you in the last few minutes that like the last few years has been a big rebirth and renaissance for you and your brand and what you do. Like talk to me about how that emerged from what in many ways was actually a pretty difficult time for a lot of people. It was probably tough to, to navigate. Well, the world's kind of shutting down, but I'm trying to almost like do this new thing. Like what was that like navigating your business through COVID? It, it was tough, but COVID was good to us. Hmm. Tell like, me about that. Like you said, a lot of businesses didn't survive COVID, but COVID was our rebirth and it really just took us to the next level. So hmm. pre-COVID, we had been looking for a building, but we couldn't find a building. So we were still in our commercial kitchen that we had at, um, in North Charles. We were renting from this church. Okay. And we did events, and our business just continued to grow during COVID. One of the things that we did to pivot was we did live cooking shows oh, that's cool. on Facebook. Tell me about so that. So we grew our following on Facebook. Facebook Live. Facebook Live. We went. Um, we did them on Wednesdays, okay. and we cooked everything from chicken gizzards and potatoes to pork and beans to macaroni and cheese <laughs> cornbread dressing um biscuits okay. you name it we probably have um 30 or more videos wow. on facebook live right now and on our page where we made through COVID, and we are out in the street and people are recognizing us yeah. and Thanking us for saving their homes during COVID, wow. teaching them how to make all of the meals that they typically would order from us or they would have at parties or just their family favorites. We taught them how to make it during COVID and it was just phenomenal. What I love about that, well, were these free these yes, videos? it was free. Totally free. It was totally free. You just needed to log in. Um now, some of it was planned, and mm -hmm. some of it was not planned. So one week you might get the ingredient list, and the next <laughs> week you might not. But you could always go back and look right. at the videos. Yeah. And you're not and, charging people, so they can't complain. Right, yeah. right. So, but it led to us doing private demonstrations, demonstrations on Zoom for corporations. Love it. So we did things for MUSC. We did things for local um, sororities and fraternities where they would, you know, get together on a Zoom call and we would cook with them. So by leading with abundance and by leading with generosity and by, though it's not easy, sort of setting aside for the moment the awareness that, you know, any thriving business needs dollars coming through the door, right? You sort of like compartmentalized this project from that and shielded it a little bit from that profit-driven sort of ethos of business that we all know and sometimes love, sometimes hate. And you said, you know what, let's just make some videos that people are going to watch and where they're going to be able to make some of our delicious food at home and we're going to sort of build trust with them. We're going to build our brand. They're, we're going to stay in their homes so that when things do open back up, they're going to remember us. They're going to remember they love our food, presumably. Does this yes. all ring a bell? And then eventually people did start paying you for that. I think a lot of business owners are like, well, I've got these things that I theoretically could give away for free, but I'm so worried people are going to get used to them being free. And what I've heard people who are smarter than I say, and your story, I think, bears witness to this, Ema, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like 
giving away things for free once in a while is not such a bad idea. And in it's fact, not. it can lead to business. Definitely. Definitely. So we did the live cooking demos. And then we, it, we then introduced online. Our online orders started taking off because people all over saw us and wanted to try our desserts. So they were ordering it. We also launched an ebook for um cool uh what is it party party foods we did uh, okay. a party foods ebook okay so that's on our website so that's as for like well. hors d'oeuvres and tapas and yes. little small plates yes and, okay very so cool. that's on the website and then just our catering alone just increase our um web presence yep increase so when people go online and they're googling um african-american owned catering company in charleston yep. we pop up hmm. so it's it's been it's been wonderful and now we're also in a catering kitchen so we were able to finally find that kitchen that we had been looking for we were able to locate hmm. it very cool do you know of other african-american owned catering companies locally i, I don't yes. know of any off the top of my head yes do you, have they? What do they do? They specialize in similar foods, or they have they created like a different niche, or how does that work? It ranges. Okay. It ranges. So some of them are low country cuisine. Some of them, wide variety sure. of various things. But yes, we know several different African American owned catering companies because sometimes we're so busy that we can't accept all, mm-hmm. or maybe the customers don't foot fit into our um into our little box so we we tend to refer them out often that's awesome well i'll have to do more digging and uh get some of those uh, companies from you we'd love to support them encourage folks to support them and listen as far as i'm concerned you can't have enough low country oriented catering companies out there we make a pretty darn good food right here in the low country oh yes whether it's red rice as you mentioned or pork and beans or it's some of our delicious seafood caught off of our our coasts here in the low country um or it's mac and cheese or it's collards there's something special about low country food done right and frankly with all the creole and cajun influences here in charleston I think you'd be hard pressed probably uh, to find better prepared, more expertly crafted, more authentic low country cuisine than that made by and prepared by African-American owned, black owned, people of color owned catering companies and restaurants. Right. I mean, so uh, listen, Carolinas, check them out. They're making some incredible food. You're still now you're still catering with your sister or there's the restaurant as well the brick and mortar no we don't have a restaurant it's strictly catering strictly catering okay. kitchen is by appointment only um when we first moved in we were doing blue plate specials on wednesdays okay what does that mean um where we would provide meals on wednesday only so we would do like maybe fried chicken Got red it. rice um string beans it's like chef's choice this is what right. we're doing it's all fresh it's all prepared specifically this is the dish and people come in for on that wednesdays dish. only got it but we've gotten super busy that we haven't been able to do the blue plate special okay so hopefully the beginning of the new year we'll be able to get back to it good for you well being busy is a good problem to have um that's uh, it's an amazing story um i'm talking here with ema Cromedy. 
of Carolina's and Carolina's Dessert Boutique. Uh, I'm Steve Fletcher. We've got a few more minutes left, but if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Small Talks, Big Ideas with Steve, a project of Low Country Local First, which is a nonprofit, a 501c3 based right here in the Low Country of South Carolina. We support local independent business owners and businesses. We bring them on to shows like this to help amplify exposure, to learn a little bit about their story, to hopefully take those stories and bring them to other business owners who are in need of stories they can relate to or expertise they'd like to connect their business or their network to. Um, And we also create a whole bunch of uh, different benefits for local independent business owners, ranging from events to workshops to webinars. You can check them all out at lowcountrylocalfirst.org. And make sure to also support Ohm Radio. Ohm Radio makes this production, this show, this program possible. They make a whole bunch of other programs possible as well. I mean, they are here rocking and rolling 24-7, remotely or in studio. There's interviews. There's awesome music. Some of it's local. Some of it's not. It's all fantastic. I'm here with Grace right now. She's on the ones and twos. Mixing the board, boarding the mix. I don't know the lexicon. I'm just sitting here and she's doing all the magical stuff. Ema's giving me all the facts and figures. I'm just sitting here with hot air coming out of my mouth. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of the third wheel. Um, but that on-air sign is still up. So I'm going to rock and roll right to the end. We got another few minutes here, Ema, and your story is not quite done yet, or at least you're not done with me yet. Um, I want to know what your favorite stuff to make now is and what should people order when they're finding you and how should they find you? How do they get in touch with you? We got business owners listening, but we also just got people here in Charleston listening and they want to order some of your delicious food. They're salivating. It's lunchtime. They're like driving super quick to wherever they're going because like you're making everything sound delicious. So uh, where do people find out more about you and then where do they order food and what do you recommend they order if they want you all to help cater one of their uh, next events? Okay. Um, so they can find us. We're online at carolimas.com. Okay. And we ship our Charleston Chewies, which is a brown sugar bar made with pecans. It's like a blondie. It's our number one seller. We make the absolute best in Charleston. <laughs> and uh, we also ship our red velvet cheesecake brownies. Our Whoa. Oh. Hold on. Red velvet cheesecake brownies? Yes. Okay. So I'm it's gonna, like cheesecake yeah, I'm gonna and brownie to... gets married yeah that's yeah. that's a uh, match made in heaven it, yep. okay it sorry i just i was i thought i was having a cerebral <laughs> event but no that you said that and that sounds incredible and i'm salivating next our old-fashioned vanilla pound cake okay, and classic. our key lime pound cake are also two more items that we can ship okay nationwide and then locally um like i said hopefully we'll be able to bring back the blue plate special where okay. you can pop up for a meal uh how do people how would they find out about that blue plate special on which y'all are on social media we're on instagram and facebook okay so carolimas on facebook carolimas dessert boutique on facebook okay carolimas with a c at the end on instagram and then carolimas underscore db on instagram for the dessert boutique all right. Wow. You, you, you memorized all the different places. Good on of you. Of course. I mean, and then the other thing is our following on Instagram. I had been struggling with getting our increasing our followers. Hmm. And we had a viral video 
just a few weeks ago. So we went from 2,800 followers to 21,000 followers. And seriously? Just, uh, yes. I was, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I was talking to my sister and I am like, I'm on Facebook and Facebook is telling me we have 8,000 followers on Instagram. This can't be true. And sure enough, <laughs> I go to Instagram yeah. and I'm like, oh my God. I thought a viral video was 10,000 views. No, we're talking 500,000 plus views. What? Yes. It was a wedding that we did. The yeah, song was, the was perfect. It's it's us opening the chafing dishes all at once mm -hmm. and showing the food line at a wedding. And I guess it's the song that I I chose. It, uh, it, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Wow. I want to check that out. Half a million views. <laughs> That's incredible. I was just talking with, uh, not to derail us too much, but that, that got me thinking about... Uh, how important it can still be you know years ago people would be like we want a viral video and it'll be easy we just do x y and z and it'll go viral as it's part of our marketing easy. plan right there's an element <laughs> of luck and and that that element of luck is is, is like almost 100 percent of it quite frankly right you put something up there and, right. and you just you because you never know which video it's going to do so i've been doing reels for the past three years trying to increase those followers and then there's just one video comes along and it's yeah. like overnight like, and it paid off i was gonna say the city of goose creek uh had a, had a video that went for, for them based on you know the the past levels of engagement with their account i think it was tiktok uh was was viral essentially because it was it wasn't five hundred thousand views or even close to that but i think it was like 30 or forty thousand views they had on this one video of like the mayor of goose creek like playing xylophone on some new inclusive playground or something in <laughs> goose creek and it, i mean it was silly but it, it it went viral and they were excited about that and uh yeah i think it's fantastic and and, and, you know, we always tell our, our business owners, like, having social media now, um, you know, not everything is going to immediately explode and make you a billionaire, right. but you you don't have a chance of things blowing up or going viral or whatever the new phrase will be in five years if you don't have at least the lights on on those accounts. I right. mean, like, social media is the new, like, website, right? It and is. there'll be something else in the future. So it's just about being adaptive and keeping things up and running. Being consistent, mm. that's the key, being consistent. And then, too, one more thing I want to add before we get off. If you are looking for a job in the food industry, mm -hmm. Carolinas is hiring. We're okay. looking for sous chefs, okay. um, banquet servers. Um, yeah, so send us an email at carolimasc at gmail.com. That's great news. Or DM us on Facebook or Instagram, but we are busting at our scenes and we are needing um, team members. We're looking for team members great. to continue growing our team. Well, if you're listening in right now, that's a, that's a fantastic call to action, a really cool opportunity to work for a fantastic local independent business. Carolinas is looking for uh, banquet servers and sous chefs right now. Bakers. Bakers as well. You'd yes. be able to work under the tutelage of a fine baker, <laughs> homegrown right here uh, in our backyard in the beautiful Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. She's been all up and down the Eastern Corridor. She has many names. You may know her by Southern Bay Queen. Uh -uh. Southern Cake Queen. Southern Cake Queen. What is going on, Steve? I'm, I still got red velvet brownies in my mind. They're messing everything up. Southern Cake Queen and her husband, the Southern Cake King. But you may know her now as the owner, proprietor, 
co-owner of Carolina's and Carolina's Dessert Boutique that she runs with her sister, Samika, who started that fantastic local low country headquartered independent business uh, a little over a decade ago now. So that's been running strong and it's been made what I can imagine is only stronger by these delicious baked goods that Ema, who sits in front of me right now, has brought to that enterprise. Ema, we're wrapping up. Only got a couple minutes left, but uh, just want to double click on the fact that people who are listening in, who just can't take the pangs of appetite and culinary um, desire uh, and need to get in touch with you and order some amazing food via your catering company, they can do so. Pull over safely, whip out your phone, and go on to Carolima's website or their Instagram or one of their many social media channels. All you got to do is look up Carol Lima's. That's C-A-R-O-L-I-M-A apostrophe S. They are a fantastic catering company based here in the low country. Um, I've seen the photos and now I've spoken with the woman herself. So I, <laughs> I can vouch. They're incredible. And I've heard something today uh, about a, a red velvet brownie cake, something or other. I don't know. I'm still having a neurological uh, impact from that. Uh, but listen, I'm going to go scout that out, find that and eat that as soon as is physically possible and then I will report back but I can only imagine positive things Ema why don't you send us out let us know what else is going on in your world what else didn't we talk about what do you want to share with the listeners out there here locally about you or your business or something else entirely Um, you guys can join us this upcoming Thursday December 8th we'll be having our second annual soulful holiday pop up at IBA event venue located at 7910 Dorchester Road. Love it. We're going to have local vendors and the Black Santa for full hop. And then we're also hosting um, an, a networking event for African-American men at the new um, Smoke and Rose Speakeasy, which is uh, down the street. Down Meeting Street? On Meeting Street. Okay, yes, right you on. know where that gorilla tattoo place yes. is? Yes, it's Blue right, Gorilla. Yes, it's right oh, next right to here. that. It's a cigar lounge, and we'll be hosting a networking event for African-American men. Right on. On December 22nd from 6.30 until 9. December 22nd is bringing us close to Christmas. Uh, be sure to uh, support that event. Go check that event out. Sounds like a great uh, networking opportunity, but also just a great way to get involved with the local independent business ecosystem. Um, it is by local season, brought to you by Low Country Local First. Great time leading up to the holidays to choose intentionally to buy local, purchase local, bring your friends and family out to local restaurants. It's important. It's what makes the Low Country the Low Country. It's what makes it a beautiful, vibrant, robust, uh, inclusive place to live work breathe play eat red velvet brownies uh ema anything else from you i'm gonna say over and out for for my part this is steve fletcher of small talks big ideas with steve ema send the people out don't forget if you're looking for a job in food we are hiring at carolimas check us out at carolimas.com we will ship to your front door. And they pay in um, cupcakes, carrot cake cupcakes. <laughs> no, Just kidding. no, they don't. They don't. But you can sneak a bite. You can sneak a bite. Tell you I said that. All right. Thank you all, folks. I'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Thank you for having me.